Oh, hi. I'm Dr. K. Mastercola, physical therapist and mental health meme maker. I've spent the past 10 years navigating life with mental illness, and I found a lot of survival guides out there, but none that talk about what happens next. No one is talking about that radical space between surviving and thriving. So I created this podcast as a way to embrace the awkward in pursuit of finding what success truly means. Thanks for coming along too. This is The Thrive Guide. Welcome back to The Thrive Guide podcast. And guys, I am so proud to introduce my next guest today. And I'm proud for a variety of different reasons. So I'm proud of myself and the connections that I've made to kind of get this far, to get this guest on my podcast. I'm proud of this guest in general and watching him kind of grow in his own journey. And I'm proud of the friendship that we have. You know, this is someone who is so altruistic and really embodies the mindset of when I have something, it is my duty to then take that and share that with other people which I find can be really challenging to find. And so I'm so proud to present him, Dr. F. Scott Field. Welcome to the Thrive Guide podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, like I said, I've uh, enjoyed your journey. I, I've loved being a part of it. And uh, I can't wait to see where it goes from here, to be honest with you. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit. Who are you? What do you do? Where are you located? Yeah, so I live in Wimberley, Texas, out in the Hill Country, uh, from New York originally, but I married a Texan, so that's how I ended up here. Uh, I've been a physical therapist practicing for 16, 17 years now, something like that. Um, I don't do much practicing these days just because, uh, I'm running out of time, uh, to, to, to work on that during my days, he, my days, he's not are... dying. He's got plenty of time with <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. going to get into that. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I, I just have so much on my plate right now that treating patients is, is only limited to basically friends and family word of mouth referrals at this point. And that's just through my mobile PT practice because, uh, I, I, spend most of my days just basically teaching. Uh, I teach full-time uh, at a physical therapy program, um, and I'm now transitioning from teaching full-time to a senior learning and development specialist, whatever that means. Um, and it really just, you know, using my educational doctorate a little bit more to help professors in all the health science programs that we have at our university uh, teach better, helping the students learn better, and then how to teach to that learning. So really just helping everybody kind of thrive in, in the learning development area. So that's where I'll be. Uh, I'll still be teaching a little bit for sure, because uh, I can't get rid of that. I love it, teaching and educating, but the uh, course I'll be limited to currently for the most part will be the business course. Uh, very fitting because I have my own business on the side as well. And so uh, when I'm not teaching, I'm coaching business because that's my true passion, my, my zone of genius, my higher calling, if you will, and what I really love to do and what gets me out of bed every morning. So if it's education, if it's healthcare and if it's business related, I'm probably involved because uh, I just love that stuff. So that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Yeah. And there's a lot of overlapping circles there that I know, you know, a lot of physical therapists, especially as we look at like Medicare reimbursement um, rates, which are honestly a joke. And, you know, the, the mantra now is on like cash pay. How can I be my own boss? And but I want to take it back even further. So if I were to truly call you by your title, it would be Dr. Dr. F. Scott Fields. You have two doctorate degrees. 
Yeah. So a doctorate in physical therapy, which uh, when I went to school, it was a master's program. So I ended up having to go through uh, one and a half uh, tr- transitional doctorate programs. That's a whole nother story for another day. But um yeah. And then I went and, and pursued my educational doctorate. And at the time, to be honest with you, I wasn't really sure why. Uh, it felt like a good backup plan, like a maybe a retirement plan. Like I would just go to some like beachfront, you know, community college university and just teach one course per semester or something when I was bored in retirement age. But, uh, you know, I, I finished up in 2018 the dissertation burnt the hell out of me. So I was like, I'm, I'm done with academia. I'm going back to clinical where I'm happy and safe and I'll just do that. And I did that until 2020 when COVID hit. And then I had to reassess uh, what the next move was because uh, my wife being a type one diabetic, uh, I didn't exactly want to bring COVID home to her. And the the place I was working at was kind of forcing us into COVID only units. And I was like, eh, I don't know if this is going to work much longer. So uh, parted ways there and ended up uh, in academia and haven't looked back ever since. So it's been a wild ride, but I've enjoyed every bit of it. Well, because your undergraduate degree, it wasn't a traditional route for you to go to physical therapy school, was it? No, I was an English major before I became a physical therapist. So that was uh, that was wild in itself. You know, uh, everybody stands up on the first day and introduces themselves and they're all I'm a bio major. I'm an exercise phys major, you know, kinesiology, more bio, you know, exercise phys. And then I stand up and I'm like, hey, I'm an English major. And, like the record scratches and everybody like turns back to look at who the hell's talking. And I was like. Yeah, I don't know. That's me, man. But uh, yeah, what, what was that transition like? How did you how did you make that jump from more of like a humanity type degree to to a bio type field? Yeah, I mean, uh, I senior year, right? Like I was always pretty decent in English. That's why I did it, because my dad was an English teacher, hence the name F. Scott Field, Right. Uh, but I, you know. I knew I wanted to do something and be something and help people more, but I knew it wasn't going to be through English. Cause like, yeah. I didn't really want to write. I didn't want to edit. I didn't want to teach. I was like, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do with this degree. And luckily my senior year, uh, second semester, I had uh, golf bowling and intro to Japan. So I had plenty of free time on my hands to, you know, party my face off and or volunteer as well. So I volunteered at the hospital. Uh, they put me in the PT department. I was filing files and, you know, putting uh, HEPs in, in files and stuff like that. And I was like, this looks pretty cool. I feel like I could do this. Like they're playing with patients. They're batting b- balloons around the gym. They're rolling around on the mats. Like this looks fun. And then I looked at the list of prereqs and I was like, nope, don't have that one. Don't have that one. Don't have that one. So I graduated in four years with a BA in English. Then had to take a whole nother year of math and science just to get into PT school. Um, and then once I got in, I mean, day one, I'm like, all right, I'm here. I'm, I'm ready. And then I go up to anatomy lab and I, I poke my head over the edge and I'm like, oh, okay. All right. That's a dead body. Uh, all right. Yeah. We're really here. Huh? Okay. And so, yeah, I, I, I knew it was going to be a tough transition anyway. So I just threw my ego out, you know, to pass at that point. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take whatever help I can get along the way and just ask everybody and anybody for help because I know this is going to be a bumpy ride. And it was uh, for a lot of reasons, but uh, you know, it uh, again, it, it really worked out and I'm glad that I did it. It's one of the better decisions I've ever made in my life. So um, I'm, I'm thankful and, and grateful for the profession. Um, and that's why I always try to give back as much as I can, because it really is a great profession as long as you leverage it appropriately. Absolutely. And, you know, revealing biases and, and things like that, like to everyone listening, 
you know, Scott and I have a very different kind of like professional relationship as he is my business mentor guru kind of point person at everything I've done to build DPTs with anxiety in this podcast to be what it is. And I, again, I'm very thankful for all of that. And, and our story is kind of funny because I was at CSM with a mutual friend who I've met through my meme page who was in my DMs because I had gone alone. I had no friends um, or coworkers who were going. And so I just was like, who can I hang out with? And she was like, I totally want to hang out. Um, but just, so you know, like, I also just want to meet like some of my other like Twitter folks. So we'll, you know, swing by, see everybody. And, you know, Scott was one of those Twitter people. And we struck up a conversation and bonded over our mutual struggles and triumphs with ADHD in physical therapy. And one of the things that he instilled to me the most through his courses was the idea of becoming a master communicator. And the idea is that physical therapy goes far beyond the science and it's how you relay that information to patients. And so I throw that softball back at you to kind of be like, do you feel that your degree in English changes the way in which you perceive the field of physical therapy and also treat as a physical therapist? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I think, A, it helped me get into PT school, to be honest with you. I think because my grades weren't great, like just being able to communicate and, uh, you know, not only as an English major, I'm, I'm sure my, you know, essays or whatever to get in were, were pretty decent, but uh, I was also able to communicate with with people during the interview. I feel like the interviews were my best part of all of my applications. So, you know, it was one of those things where it's like I was also a, a college radio DJ. So I feel like that kind of helped also eventually down the line get me into podcasting, too. But like the the ability to just talk and to, to get up on a stage and perform or, you know, get into a conversation in a circle of people and just talk and, and learn more and and be interested instead of interesting. Right. Listen and become that active listener. All of that helped me get into PT school and then transition it into the soft skills needed to be a successful clinician. And, you know, I, I didn't really realize it at the time, but when I look back, I feel like a great deal of what we do as physical therapists is communicate and educate, especially. Right. So I would feel like if I went home at the end of the day and I still had a voice left, I probably didn't do my job good enough. I probably did not teach and educate enough that day, you know, um, so so. Uh, if my patients were leaving and they were still confused about anything, didn't understand the plan, didn't understand why they were doing what they were doing, I just felt like I wasn't giving them my all, you know? And so I, I feel like being that English major, being able to, uh, you know, not only tell a good story, but also being able to to connect with people on their level and at different levels on different things. I mean, there were, you know, patients that I saw that were, you know, they were kind of closed and quiet and reserved. And then I try to peel back and get into what they were into so I could make a connection there. Um, and, and I just, I had a lot of good success with that. I mean, I, I learned things like video gaming. I learned NASCAR. I learned, uh, you know, different uh, types of hunting and stuff. I don't know. A whole you also lot learned of that Pokemon stuff. go. Yeah. Pokemon <laughs> go. Right. I'm, I'm into Pokemon <laughs> now because, you know, I've had patients that just, You're that's what little they old lady on. patient. <laughs> yeah. So 
And she's actually doing amazing right now. I just talked to her recently and she's uh, healthier than she's ever been. She's able to walk around her development and actually play Pokemon Go more than she was. So like she's loving it. Um, but yeah, it's crazy the things that you do, but but it really does help connect with people. And, and you know, I think definitely, you know, shout out to my dad for, for bringing me upright and just kind of, you know, really focusing on, you know, the reading and the writing at a very young age, because that definitely helped uh, all throughout my career and, and still is to this day. Yeah. And you said something really kind of impactful that I want you to elaborate on a, a little bit is you said it is um, you want people you want to communicate as if you're being interested, not interesting. Right. Can you elaborate? Like, what do you what do you mean? And how does that how has that played into some of your success that you had? Yeah. So uh, like I could talk for days, right? I'm from New York originally, like pretty big, bold, loud, boisterous. Like, you'll, you, I, I'll just oh, talk, right? Exactly. So, you you know, I could talk forever. But what I really learned is that being an active listener means that you've got to shut up and you've got to just let them talk to be heard and understood before you just like are listening to just interject and put your point in and talk about what you want to talk about. Right. So like if you come at every conversation and every interaction as a, a chance to learn, right. You can really kick back, relax and become the active learner by asking the right questions and just asking good questions and then sitting back and listening to people and hearing their story and what they have to say about it and probing more and more on them and being interested in what they have to say. Not trying to say, oh, look at me. I'm so interesting. I'm the you know most interesting man in the world, right? Like people want to hear about themselves. They want to talk about themselves. They want to, you know, spotlight and shine and show you what they've done, right? So let them do that. And they'll reveal to you a lot of really cool stuff. And that goes for patience as well. Like if you just ask them, you know, so what's going on? Then you just sit back and shut up. You'll learn a lot of the problems. You'll learn about what you got to fix and what you got to get to, you know, so that's been helpful for me over my career is just, you know, again, being more interested than interesting. Yeah. And I think that's so hard with like a very traditional, you know, PT mill esque kind of environment is that that time is, is not allotted a lot of the times, unfortunately to, to value patients in the way in which we're, we're taught and almost like yearn for. Um, and so you saw that problem and you kind of created your own mobile health pro like practice. What was that? What was that like jumping point? Like what kind of fears did you have moving into that? Was it yeah. successful? So I guess like, you know, for me, it's always going to be a little different. Like my story is more about like the benefits, right? I need medical yeah. benefits for my wife who's stay at home mom and a type one diabetic. So that always has to be covered. Once that's covered, the rest of my time is hopefully spent doing what I love to do. And so I figured I need to start my own business because I, every place I've ever worked, I just didn't like the way that they were running things. Not that they were bad, but I felt like I could do them better or I would do them different. And mm -hmm. eventually I just got to the point where I was like, if I don't do it myself, like I'm not going to be able to move forward. I'm not going to be able to progress and grow as a human, as an individual, as a business owner. I just got to do something. So I started my own mobile practice, uh, low overhead, right? It was cash pay only. And I just kept a small radius there because in Texas, you know, you could drive forever and not get to your next patient. So I figured let's keep it small. Let's just grow it and see what we can do. I only have X amount of hours outside of my nine to five anyway. So let's, let's see what happens. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I grew it. Uh, I got Got into a pretty good swing of things. I, I was really starting to, to grow to the point where it really was getting close to another full-time position, wow. uh, which that would not have been sustainable. And it wasn't. And, uh, you know, 
uh, luckily and unluckily COVID hit and it was a hard reset for me. And I was able to kind of talk it through with my wife and say, Hey, with it, like working three jobs, essentially it was, was, you know, great money wise, but I health wise, it, it was not. And it, I, I knew that she knew that, uh, you know, my kids even probably knew that at that point. So I was like, all right, I got to, I got to fix this. We got to figure something else out. So, you know, I, I don't think I was ever really afraid of, of starting a business and getting it going. It was just a matter of like figuring it out. And I knew yeah. again, I, I threw my ego, ego out the door ages ago. So I wasn't, I wasn't afraid to ask questions and fail and try again and get back up and ask more questions and figure it out along the way. Like that's just at this point, how I, how I roll. I just know, there's going to be, you know, hills and, and valleys and there's going to be speed bumps. You just got to navigate, them. you know, that's life. It's, it's not just business. That's life. Yeah. And I feel like that's something that is so weird about higher education is it feels gatekept to an extent. Like, I feel like you, you're like, Oh, like, do I ask questions, but I don't know. And it's like, if I was paying a baker and I say this because I know your wife is an outstanding cookie baker. Um, and so if I were to go to her and be like, I am paying you $10,000 for 100 cookies. And this is, I would probably want it in exact way, right? Because I am paying you. And if I had a question, I would expect, hey, like, what ingredient do you use in your cookie? Your wife wouldn't turn around and be like, mm, look it up. Whereas like for some weird reason in higher education, and I understand like that to some extent you have to learn how to think for yourself. You have to learn how to go to the literature and, and be in resources or whatever. But also I'm paying you $10,000. If I'm coming to you, it probably means that I already tried those things. And so when you're saying like, oh, I went and I asked these questions, like, to and you don't have to, to, to name drop if you don't want, but you know, to who? Where did you find these people? Like anybody listening who wants to, where do they go? It's overwhelming. Yeah. So definitely I'm a huge proponent of of paid coaching and mentorship because it, it condenses your timeline. So yeah. you know, I, I just sought out people that were already doing what I kind of wanted to do. Um, you know, I I looked for people that were both in the world of healthcare and outside of the world of healthcare, but within business circles so that, you know, I could see if it was transferable. Um, you know, I, I took a, a course on, on Facebook ads because I had no idea how to run those. I was running them and not successfully. And I knew it wasn't them. It was me. Yeah. So I had to take a course in that, but you know, I, I did, I invested in myself because I knew it was going to pay out and it did. Um, and, and, you know, the, the big thing is just to find people that are already there, already doing what you want to do and doing it successfully and ask them. And, you know, a, a lot of times they're they're pretty gracious with their time. They'll give you some you know answers. They'll help you out or whatever. And then if, if there's a way that you can, you know, pay to work with them, then by all means that do it because it's worth it. I mean, I can't even tell you like the, the Facebook ad course is a great example that that cost, you know, five grand when I took it. And. I, that I will say, I wasn't scared about that. I was unsure of like, you know, is this what I should be doing? And sure enough, at the first week I ran ads after the course, I got three new patients. So, you know, at $1,600 per plan of care, that more than covered the cost and then also went into profit after that. And then every patient I got from a Facebook ad further was profit. So like, you know, there's a lot to unpack there, but 
investing in yourself, surrounding yourself with people that push you, that that get you out of your comfort zone, that get you to that next level, that believe in you, that just just being around those kind of people lifts you up, right? It changes your energy, your vibe, your whole like, oh, wow, that guy's really crushing it. I'd like to do something like that, too. He did it this way. I, I think I could do something similar or like, eh, I don't think I would do it that way. But that that's pretty motivating. I'm going to do try my way, right? Like, there's that Jim Rohn quote that you are the the sum of the five people that you most surround yourself with. And I'm mm. a firm believer in that, right? Like if you surround yourself with like five to 10 friends that are super successful and pushing themselves and trying to grow and get better every day, you're probably going to benefit from that. If you surround yourself with, you know, five folks that just aren't driven and, and are always Debbie Downers and negative Nancy's and they're constantly like, you know, moaning and groaning and complaining, but not doing anything about it odds of you succeeding, probably not as good, not as high. So, you know, I, I, I seek out those people. I just look for them. I interact with them. I hit them up as much as possible on, you know, social media and, you know, purchase their stuff and just try to get in their circle and then learn and grow from there. Yeah. How do you feel about the blind DM kind of idea? Uh, I'm okay with it. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty open. I'm pretty uh, accessible on social media, right? So I'm totally fine with it. I, I like to kind of butter them up and warm them up a little bit first. I like to interact. I like to like their stuff, comment on their stuff, constantly try to show up in their, you know, their, their world, if you will, their, you know, their funnel. And then, you know, then eventually I shoot them a DM where either I can bring value to them. Like, Hey, I saw you were working on this project. I've actually done some work with that. You know, here's what what I would recommend for that thing you're working on. You know, let me know if you have any questions. Uh, anything I can do to really just help them, you know, bring value to their thing, whatever it is, uh, that kind of helps get your foot in the door because it kind of shows that you're not really looking for something. You know, you, you, yeah. you give give without you know asking anything in return, um, and that that usually kind of warms them up because they can see like, oh. Oh, okay. This guy knows what he's talking about for sure. And he, he offered me something that actually is going to help move me forward. So that's pretty cool, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, just the out of the blue left field, like cold DM. Yeah. I mean, I'm okay with it still. You shoot your shot, I guess, but there, there's other ways to try to like warm them up and network them and kind of grow that relationship and, and, you know, kind of foster it little by little. Yeah. And I think that's like some great advice too, you know, and, and as a content creator, and I always feel so silly saying stuff like that, you know, but it, there's nothing more valuable to my page than the shares in the comments, you know, and it's like the followers are what they are. And I, I adore and love and appreciate every single one of them, but the power of a share is so insane. Like even yesterday I had put up my, um, little Spotify wrapped videos, which are always a fun little project for me to do. Um, and the amount of shares and engagement on that, like that didn't come because I have this base following. No, it came from the people in my circle, seeing, liking, sharing my stuff. And I, I see who they are. And, you know, there, there's secrets to, to kindness that I think can go so far, you know, like a little known fact is that in my Etsy shop, anybody who kind of like writes a little, like, sweet note to me that's like, oh, I love and appreciate your stuff, this and that, or just do something like, I'll throw in an extra sticker. You know, it's not much off my capital. People forget the the currency of kindness. Yeah. And, you know, when you're when you're showing up to people, we see you, we hear you. And again, it's it's without intent. 
and you're just giving compliment and you are giving reassurance that what I'm doing is not crazy by being on the internet and sharing this silly story and my uterus sweaters and, you know, and so it doesn't go unnoticed. And if it's something that you want to like reach and ask. And so the worst they can say is no. And I know you and I have talked a lot about that, how no is our least favorite word, but it just leads to someone who apparently has the answer afterwards. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, have that. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, even just complimenting or telling somebody, hey, like, I love that thing you did, or I love that post, or like, that's yeah. a really good point. Like, at the very least, that reinforces that we're being seen and heard, because a lot of times it feels like you're talking to the the blank space out there, you know, the the dark. The algorithm. All, yeah, it's like, well, is anybody out there? Is this thing on, you know? And so just giving that reassurance can be helpful at times. Yeah. And you have a phrase that I absolutely love that that you used a lot for me um, in the beginning and in, in my confidence. And it's like, you know, I bet on the jockey, not the horse. And so you want to kind of elaborate on that a little bit, that phrase? Yeah, like my whole thing is like, I can generally pick out and see good people that are going to do good things. Like I have a pretty good sense on if you're, you're destined to do something awesome. Right. And, and it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't even matter what your idea is. The, the horse is the idea, right? I don't care about the horse as much. I care about the jockey, the person guiding the horse, because if, even if it's a crap idea, we can mold it and shape it and change it and adapt it to get it back on track. Right. But if the jockey is not driven, if they're not, you know, fo focused on the on the end game, if they're not, you know, laser driven, if they don't have that like vibe and that energy and that passion and that, you know, overall just like something special to them, it's really hard to coach a lot of that. It's hard to instill that in people. Some people, you know, either they have it or they don't. Some of it can be coached and taught. But if you don't have that drive, if you don't have that like stick to that that oomph to keep going you know i could give you all the things in the world i could give you every tip trip trick you know and and you know pointer in the book but like if you're not going to take it and do anything with it then i can't i can't help you what good is it you know Bring that I'm, horse I'm to water can't make a drink exactly exactly so do you ever find it challenging when you yourself are the jockey and you have to bet on yourself Oof, that's a good one um I would say no, and it's not like a like a confidence and ego thing. It's just that I know that I'll figure it out. I mean, it took me a handful of times to pass my board exam. It took me, yeah. you know, a, two extra semesters to finish my dissertation. Uh, I've been knocked down. I can't even tell you how many times in business. It just like I just expected at this point, but every single time I've gone to bat, it's worked out. So. I just I have like that unwavering faith that I'll figure it out. I yeah. may not know the path. I may not know the answer, but I know at the end I'm going to figure it out. And I have some of that, too. But sometimes I, I feel so scared to to invest in myself. And I know a lot of people looking to like start a business or start an endeavor. You know, the, the goal is always this this big, loving, big ball of sun in the end, you know, and it's like the the investment into the little wins to get there can be terrifying. You know, I'm, I'm scared of financial loss because I don't really have a lot of disposable. And I think that that's the biggest thing that's keeping people from chasing down these big dreams that are, could be, and w 
are so important to other people's lives. Like, what do you say to counter that to inspire and motivate them? Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, you know, I investing in yourself has got to be one of the best investments you can make because I've never invested in myself and thought, oh, gosh, that was a bad investment or uh, I didn't get anything out of that. Right. Like a lot of times it's even if if it is like a bad or not as great investment, it's a learning process. So you're like, oh, well, at least I learned never to do that again. It was an expensive investment. But, you know, I know to avoid that now. Right. And so, you know, for me, the big takeaway is just really like, what's the worst that can happen? Like literally the worst that can happen, you lose all of it, all your money, all the things like, okay, most people in our position, especially physical therapy as a field, it's a very good fallback or a good safety net, you know? So if you're going to start something and try something, like even if you fail completely and miserably and it's just, you know, flat broke, you can always go back and get a job as a physical therapist, right? And I'm not a big fan. I'm not a huge believer in like burn all the ships and dive full in and just go for your thing. Like I really truly believe to start it on the side as a side business or a side hustle and grow it slowly and incrementally until maybe it does become a full-time gig for you. Who knows? But like, there's nothing wrong with working a full-time job and having a side hustle or side gig. Like, you know, that's my thing. It'll always be my thing, I think, until uh, we figure out type one diabetes. So uh, until then, I'm just going to keep doing my thing and doing it, you know, at my leisure the way I like it. Yeah. And I I love, I love that, that mindset of it, of like, you don't have to burn all the ships because I feel like that's kind of, you know, how a lot of the, the bigger business accounts is like, I quit my nine to five and I put everything in and now I work an 80 hour, you know, and it's like, that's, it's terrifying. And so, Thinking about that, like financial, you know, win, gain, whatever, um, how do we tap into your financial losses and just peel, take your wins? Do you have courses? Do you have, you know, how do we tap into your expertise? What do you offer? Yeah. So, I mean, I've got a book out there, which is kind of how this all started. It's a PT educator, student debt eliminator, and it's a bunch of uh, revenue streams that I've done over the years to help people eliminate their student loan debt and get into the investing phase of their life quicker. Um, and then from there, uh, I've got a masterclass. Basically, it's a group coaching course that that I offer where I kind of go in and, and we find your zone of genius and your passion and what you you know love to do and really turn that into a lifestyle business so that you can work on that as little or as much as you want, grow it incrementally and have something tangible on the side as far as intellectual property goes. So that you can make an asset out of it, make more money, you know, be happy doing what you love doing uh, and then see where it leads. Right. Like I said, I've had people that have leaned all in and actually, you know, been able to quit their nine to five or, or you know, their part time job and, and just do this on the side, which is great. You know, I wish that for everybody, because I feel like at some point having the autonomy and doing what you want to do the way you want to do it. Uh, for the population that you want to do it for, like that to me is like one of the ultimate freedoms, you know, yeah. because you you get like time freedom back, right? You can do it your way, but in order to get there, you have, have to have some money freedom too. So it's, it's, you know, a little bit of a give and take there, but realistically, like, you know, again, it, it's really based on, on the person and the individual and what they want their life to look like. And then building the business around that, because otherwise, like you said, you're just an 80 hour work week. And it's like, is that really solving your problem or is that making it worse? You know, you've just created another job for yourself. So, yeah. you know, has what to be a lifestyle. What kind of students do you seek? Like if you were to give me three bullet points of people that if like, Hey, this person that has all these things, like, 
you need to work with me? Who are, who are those people that they can see themselves in you? Yeah. So it's basically anybody with a large amount of student loan debt, if they're looking to kind of decrease or eliminate that, that's uh, one of my, my, you know, first steps is like, Hey, we, you know, if you've got a lot of student loan debt and that's weighing you down, that's making you anxious or nervous or, or, you know, stressed out, there's other ways to, to, you know, make some more income. The second one is really just anybody who is not quite happy with their job. They're just kind of sick of it or feeling burnt out. And, you know, they're, they're just wondering if they even made the right decision to, you know, get into a healthcare field or profession or whatever it may be. Uh, that's kind of the second one, because again, just even having a side gig that you're, that you love and you're passionate about that can help fight burnout, you know? So yeah. Even if you're, you know, dejected and a little down and out at work, if you got this thing to look forward to and it's being successful and it's growing little by little and it's making you money, too. Well, that's a win win, you know. And then the third one is really just like, you know, anybody who knows they're either getting to the point where they're unemployable and they just they've got to get out. They've got to escape the nine to five. They've got to do it their own way. Uh, I've had a couple of uh, older students recently who are you know, kind of looking for something to do towards retirement. Um, hmm. and, and they just were like, yeah, I just, you know, I'm retiring. I, I don't want to do anything, you know, treating patients anymore. I'm kind of burnt out on that. I'm sick of it. I'm over it. I just want to do things my own way. And it doesn't have to be big. I just want to like do something different and, and use my skills and knowledge, but like change it up. So, you know, if you've got some skills or expertise or authority that you can leverage into something else that helps too, because we can look into alternatives like speaking gigs, like book writing, like course creation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, consulting has been a big one, you know? So like there's plenty of options out there. It just, you know, it's, it's a, unfortunately it's a little bit of a self-introspection step you've got to take. You've got to do the deep dive and see like, am I really happy? Is this something I can do for the rest of my life? If not, what are my options? You know? Yeah. And that's what I was going to say, you know, from a personal bias of someone who is immensely benefited from like your expertise in courses and, you know, creating an additional stream of revenue of well over, you know, almost $15,000 at this point this past year. And that's not bragging. That is just me so graciously thankful that I can live the life that I want to while being silly on the internet, you know, and I would say, you know, if anybody else is out there and you're these three things, if you have an idea that you're passionate about, whether it's PT or not, if you're a non-typical learner, right? So ADHD and creativity and movement, all of those things that we are excelling at as physical therapists, like if you have that that drive and urge to learn in a non-typical environment, and that's not necessarily as rigid and structured, but can have a little bit more room for you to play and troubleshoot and, and draw big, that's this is who the, your guy. And thirdly, of just the people who want to know, you know, genuinely, what else is there for me? How can I stop trading my time for money and utilize my massive skill set to be what I deserve to be? If you know, if your own light is bright enough to know that you are valued enough for something so much bigger than the life you're currently living, this guy is going to help you capitalize on it. And then that is just as pure as it as it comes. And so... And I, I go back to that phrase that I use that I say I would get tattooed on my forehead. You know, you can be the entire package and be sent to the wrong address, right? He helps hand deliver you where you belong. And so, Scott, that's my phrase I would get tattooed on my forehead. What what is your internal mantra? What do you what do you use to get you get you through, get you by? Yeah. Mine mine's pretty simple. It's it's just do more, be more. 
You know, I feel that we've all been given a gift of some sort, no matter what it is or where, you know, where it lies as far as like what your specialty is or, or what your passion is. But I feel like that internal gift that we've been given, like you said, it's almost like selfish to keep it in. Like if you don't share it with people and help people, like if you're constantly trying to get better at that gift and 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 push it and, and really become an expert in authority and master that gift, then you have to go back and give it to those people and share what you've learned and help them learn your gift. Right. So I just think we should do more and be more because I I feel like the typical clock in clock out nine to five physical therapist uh, or healthcare provider, if you will, it's just not enough. Like Mm. seeing patients all day, every day, that's not enough. I feel like we literally do have to do more and be more, you know? So, so that's mine is just do more, be more. If this mic was not attached to a pole stand, it would be dropping right now. (laughs) All right, Scott, where can people find you? How can they get in touch with you? Blind DMs we've been over. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I'm on all the socials at PT Educator. You can find me, reach out. And then pteducator.com is the website. That's where you can find all the info on the masterclass. Would love to to help anybody that's out there looking for something different and, and something more. So thank you for the kind and gracious words. It was an absolute pleasure chatting with you. I I always enjoy our talks, but uh, this was awesome. Thank you. Sounds good. We'll see you around. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Thrive Guide podcast. Be sure to give us a like and a review if you love this stuff, want to see more. And seriously, guys, check out Scott. He's the real deal. Until next time, keep thriving. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Thrive Guide presented on the PT Pinecast Network. If you like what you heard, please leave a review or a comment down below. It helps other people find us. You can check out links to everything mentioned in the show notes below. Thank you again and keep on thriving.